in, for, in order to get to the meaning. So, you know, you've you probably heard of, you know, um, observation, um, you know, interpretation, application, those kind of things. Uh, this is a little more in-depth than that. I want to ask each one of you to grab it, especially if you're in a MAG group, um, so that we can continue to be on a road uh, to learning how to study the Bible better. Okay, family? So I want you to grab that if you get a chance. also want to continue to remind you to look at the book list out back uh, to your left. I uh, want to ask you to save up some dough and buy those five books. Um, I think it's extremely important. I must be, I'm very encouraged. You guys, a lot of you guys came this past week uh, and got an Old Testament survey. So I'm encouraged by, by a lot of you guys. I only have a couple more left. So, you know, there, there's, this book costs, I don't know, 30, 40 bucks. I want to ask you, you can, I have probably six left. So the next six, um, get hooked up and the rest of y'all got to buy them. So we'd love to have you get hooked up. This right here is our schedule that we're going to try to stick to uh, up until um, around Easter time. Okay, family? So now I, I, I want to encourage you. We should be encouraged that if we can get to Genesis 15 by April 10th, that will be um, a huge blessing. Okay? Um, and so <laughs> why y'all laughing? No, but uh, so... Uh, so uh, <laughs> So this, so yeah, we're gonna have a good time. So this is a, this is the schedule. I'm gonna go ahead and throw this up on the website, and um, yeah, you can get it from down, you can get it from the website. We'll put it on the notes this coming week, and you can have that just to know um, how to follow along with us. Okay, family? Um, oh, I can use this. All right, let's recap a little bit, family, um, of what we did last week. If you were not here, just in a nutshell, oh. Please, if you, we're going, to be, yeah, we're going to be reading a lot of the Bible today, so if you need a Bible, please raise your hand. We'd love to give that to you. That'd be great. Hook you up. Uh, we're going through Genesis. Uh, we started out by, by reviewing uh, like crazy, just to sort of set a uh, framework again. Uh, we talk about rules of interpretation, hermeneutics. Um, there's a way of studying the scriptures. We wanted to make sure that we're on the same page before we entered into uh, doctrine. Uh, God's teaching, uh, teaching on a particular subject is what doctrine is. Uh, we, uh, we, we talked about uh, different uh, methods. Uh, I encourage you guys, you guys were very good last week, you know, that there's all these different kind of views, and I was going to talk you into my view, uh, but at the same time, it's, it's cool to have uh, different views. You know, we made, we made fun of the New Earth people, but, but to give... But to, let, me, let me push back on that, too. To, um, to give some credibility, I'll just talk about New Earth in a moment, but um, I'll wait until we get into the text to talk about that. So uh, what we talked about last week, God made everything um, that, we, that we know of in verse 1 was a point, okay? So we say in verse 1, uh, when he says, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, that was to say, hey, God made everything. And then what verse 2 is, time, space, matter, right? And then what verse 2 is, is he gives us insight into how he did it. Um, verse 2 all the way to chapter uh, 2, verse 3, I believe, verse 3. It's him saying, okay, so I made everything, and this is how I did it. And there's crazy discussions on, on the, the nuances of that, that piece, but in a nutshell, if you're, if you're sitting there and the whole focus is science and you miss that, you miss the sense of God being a creator, you've, we've, missed a big port, we've missed a big part of what the, the author's trying to communicate. Keep in mind, it's not in a vacuum. We look at Revelation, we even look at the Bible a lot of times, we think, oh, it's just for me. Well, kind of. Um, actually, it was for them. And then the Lord was gracious to allow it to be for us because now we're in that lineage, right? And so, and so it was written, I would propose, um, we said Moses wrote, that, wrote it, John says he wrote it, Luke says he wrote it. I know there's all kind of discussions. I got my little seminary homie here doing the JDEP and all this stuff. Uh, we didn't get into all the nuances of that. Uh, Jesus said he wrote it. I say take it up with Jesus. Um, when Moses wrote it, 
He wrote it during the time where he's with these, these Israelites who are trying to figure out what does it mean to be the people of God. And so I'm, I'm, I guarantee, as we look through Genesis, as we continue to walk through Genesis, we're going to see that. We're going to see this whole sense of like um, this whole desert imagery. I mean, even he talks about things being void and formless. Um, I definitely think that was um, to have desert imagery. So this was written to a particular people who are dealing with some particular issues. Remember, a lot uh, the books in the Bible are occasional books. They're never exhaustive books. Okay, they're occasional books to, to deal with a certain occasion and their focus for a specific reason. And he's writing to these people. He's writing throughout the scriptures. They're writing for a particular people for a particular reason. If we miss that and we just see it as a self-help manual, we really miss out on understanding God and what he's trying to do um, in this epic story. Um, there was um, some discussion on... Barah and Asa, and I know one of the Matt groups um, was, was, was hitting that hard, um, I believe the, the Vought Davidson group, um, and, and uh, they were like, well, we didn't get some of the meanings that you got, and so I want to I rehash that real quick. So basically, and this is hard, these are the books, if you guys want to like, get crazy, get these two books, and you want to do concordance studies. Um, in the Old Testament, uh, you don't, the concordance studies you get are kind of limited, uh, because they don't want to make people go crazy, and so that's what they do. But if you want to get an exhaustive uh, understanding of a certain word and, and, its, and its range of meaning, again, that's the interesting thing about words, is it's not like you have a word uh, like, like yom, for example. The Hebrew word for day is yom, right? So you have day, and I'm a, I'm a, again, I'm a 24-hour 24 24 day literal guy in, in Genesis. You guys know that. I'm a, I think he created the day. Uh, the world in, uh, in six days, uh, literal days, but I am old earth. And someone even asked, so how can you be an old earth uh, six-day literalist? And I would say, I would say he created the, day, the, the, the world in six days a long time ago. But, so I thought that was easy. So um, <clears throat> I was thinking a harder question. So, um, okay, so, you know, so you have the range of meaning, okay? You have... Uh, day, if I go through the scriptures and I see that every time that I see the word day, uh, apart from the, the New Testament, and I see it's always 24-hour period, then obviously I'm saying, okay, this is what it means when I want to understand day. But what happens a lot of times is you might see day, and then there's a range of meaning. And so you might see 80% of the time it has one specific nuance, and then all of a sudden it has a little nuance here and there. What you want to do is you want to give the Bible credit. You don't want to say, well, it uses a lot day this time, so, so I'm going to throw all these other ones out. I think it's very theologically responsible to be okay with saying, here's what I think, but hey, here's the range of meaning and here's what it could mean. That's very okay. That's being theologically responsible. That's what you want to do when you're doing your word studies. We don't want to be Nazis with our words. So uh, these are the books I would encourage you to grab. We're going to go ahead and throw that up on the, on the internet as well if you want to grab those for your, uh, on your own enjoyment. Barah and Asa, uh, we're talking about create, okay? Create and make. Prepare and make. Uh, the, the reason why those words are important and the reason why they seem kind of different when you're looking at them, if you're just looking at them in your word studies, um, or they seem, I'm sorry, it's the same, is because they kind of say the same thing. But the difference is Barah is never mentioned apart from God creating. Okay? So, so men don't Barah. Okay? We Asa. God, he does, he, he Barahs and Hasas. He creates, which has a sense of he creates and he uh, makes and prepares. 
Okay, so that's why even in Genesis, when he says that, it's very important. Now, I'm not, I'm not the proponent that, that all the times he uses um, the God, or they call it the fiat form, I don't think it's creative ex nihilo, which means like creating out of nothing. Because there's sometimes in, in Isaiah where he uses the, he uses the verb form bara, and he's, he's making and preparing, but he's using bara. But 100% of the times, it's always Yahweh doing the creating when it's bara. So that means something. Uh, when he uses that word, um, specifically here in Genesis. So I hope that helps a little bit with your nuance as you guys are arguing about that in my group. Um, um, <clears throat> all right, so what we have here is, if you remember, this is very important. Now, the thing is, I want, you, I want us all to be able to, to know how to articulate this uh, without looking at this chart in our own journey with the Lord as we're reading uh, Genesis. So, so the question is, can you, if I took this off right now, would you be able to express this to me? If not, I want us to really be able to study this. Maybe you want to take this one down, too. The reason why is because I think it's very important to see uh, the big theme of, of Genesis, the made, field, and rest, okay? Because that's going to help you put all the pieces together as you're just going, well, how did he make the sun, you know, in day four when he made light in day, you know, day one? You know, and we think, and that's how we begin to think. Uh, and I want you to see the themes here is he's trying to show a theme of uh, day, uh, day one through three. He's making things. Uh, and in day four through five, he's filling the things he's made. Right. So you, you created light uh, divided from darkness. Sun, moon, stars created to fill the sky, hold a light, which, by the way, let me just <coughs> people again. Well, light, but he but the sun has light. That's where light comes from. No. I mean, like light existed before the sun. Okay, see what all the all these things right here: the sun, moon. I need a new Bible. Uh, sun. Uh oh. What I do? Thank you. The sun, the moon, the stars. All all the all those things are um, are 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 things that actually hold. Like these, those, like those are things that hold the luminaries that hold the light that God has created. God created light before. Is those are those aren't where light comes from. It wasn't that light didn't exist until He created the stars, or that light didn't exist before, until He created the sun. God created light, right? And then He said, "Okay, now I want these things to sort of house the light that I've created in this way." You follow me? Um, so, so that's the um, concept of this whole piece of field, and then He rests, which we'll talk about uh, next week. So, uh, so in a nutshell, we're here now at uh, verse three. I'm gonna we're gonna start flying. You ready to rock? Actually, we're gonna go pretty slow because after we get through um, after we get through the days, which will be uh, this week, and then ending them next, we're gonna fly through chapters. So we we should like the hangout time as long as we have it. Okay, you ready, guys? We're in verse three. Uh, it says, "And God said, Let there be light." And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light uh, day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. The reason why I started there is because it makes sense as we continue to go on. Um, so we have the first, there, first day there. Notice a couple, a couple quick things that I want you to see. I'm going to plant them in your mind right now, and hopefully it will become, become second nature as we continue to read through the scriptures. Um, and God said, another huge theme, uh, this sense of God being the great, a great prophet. 
this whole prophetic theme is huge. Um, and, that's, and that's the thing is that when, you look, when we look at the Old Testament and we see prophets, even in Revelation, one of the big themes is when you have those two prophets. You know, it's uh, unlike, I know you guys like Left Behind, but the two prophets and they get shot in the brain, you know, and they, they rise from the dead in three days. I'll say, I'll say that's skewed because God is saying that the two is, 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 um, is, is uh, him trying to communicate the issue of two witnesses that you need to have two witnesses to validate what's true. So God is saying that we, the church of God, is his prophet. That all of us are, we, we basically prophesy to the world what's true. We tell the world, we're a witness to the world of Jesus dying on the cross, rising from the dead, and being a king. Okay, so what we do in our day in life, what we're supposed to do as we believe the gospel, as we live the gospel, is we're prophesying to the world that what Christ has actually said is true, Okay. Now, reason why that's, but see, I feel like if you don't, get, if we don't see the themes, then it just seems like, oh, and then there's just, just names. Oh, so now you have prophets in the Old Testament. I propose to you that that's huge because God is saying from day one, he is the great prophet. And everything he does, he speaks. He speaks. And just as he speaks, he allows us to speak. Um, so when God said, let there be light. Uh, so this whole word, God, God letting us know what he says is, is, is extremely important. That God sees it's good. Um, let me continue on. Verse 68 says, And God said, Let there be an expanse uh, between the waters that separate, and the notice says, uh, the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse to separate the water under the expanse from the water above it. Uh, and it was so. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. So what is happening here, family? Uh, you got God has created heaven and earth. Um, we talked about the issue of chaos, uh, that, that, you know, back in this time, uh, there was all kind of Greek mythology, uh, all kind of near ancient Eastern mythology of like chaos created the world. It was kind of chaotic. And then uh, the gods, you know, got, got chaos together where God is saying something different. He's saying the world was not created out of chaos. It was created out of order. Um, God knew exactly what he was doing. And part of that order, which notice, by the way, he never tells you when he created water, which, again, it's not an exhaustive book. Um, he's just doing his thing. Um, and so you have, you have this separation of water. Well, what is that, guys? Separation of water, the water in the sky is what? The clouds? Right? I mean, so you have the expanse of the water, and the sky is the clouds. Expanse on the ground is the, the seas. Don't you, don't you hate when people ask you questions like that? Because you don't want to be like the one guy, you say something wrong, right? And you'd be like, no, it was seas. So, um, well, we're, this, is a, this is a free risk environment. Don't feel like that, guys. Um, so he separates this expanse, um, and you get, you get kind of space um, in, in the middle. Now, uh, the reason why this is important, as we go on, let me click. So what God does is he creates light. Um, he separates and notice this, in theme, the theme in verses 3 through 5, you have this theme of separating, this theme through 6 through 8. And, I'm, and I hope this isn't, some of this is top shelf theology, but I want you guys to see this narrative that's happening in the scriptures, is that God sets all these themes up, and what he does throughout scriptures, he continues to play on these themes. This huge theme of separate is huge. Um, so he separates, well, he also, what he does, he separates um, animals from humans, 
what he does, he begins to separate uh, the covenant people from those who are not in the covenant. And I'm proposing to you that separating is huge because he's bringing it all the way down the line from when he does at the end of time, he's going to separate those that love God from those that who do not love God. And that the separation piece is huge from God. What, what God does is he's always saying, okay, this is good and this is not. Or this is, I'm separating these things. And, and this is a huge concept which I propose for the family of God as we try to understand that God does allow us to be uh, the wheat and the tares together, but he wants us to have distinction of who are those that love him. Which is a whole, these, are, these are themes that I'm just saying as you read. I'm just sort of giving you something that right now you're not going to see in, in Genesis 1. But as you read the scriptures, I want you to continue to think about these themes. As the Holy Spirit allows you to read, you will see these themes over and over again, and hopefully they will solidify in your heart conviction about some of the things that God is trying to say. Um, so, so he didn't make anything. Notice that. He didn't make anything on this day. Well, all he did was what? He separated. Right? He sort of organized. You notice that? But but what's his point? His point is that God's power over the waters, is that he's organizing this material and that God is sovereign. He has power over these things. Water, again, again, left unto ourselves, we sit here and we just open up the Bible, we'll be like, okay, water. But no, water was... in, in, in near ancient times, water was seen as like, it was seen as like death. Like people didn't understand like what water was. They didn't, they didn't understand like how powerful it was. They didn't know that the seas had you no know, point where you can go to this other land. They just saw when you went out there, imagine that. We got boats and all this stuff now, right? So imagine you standing on the shore and you see just water until you can't see anymore. And then somebody say, hey, why don't you get in a little, you know, boat or something and go, just go rafting out there. Would you be kind of scared? Have you ever thought about that? Like we, we know for sure, by, well, by faith, really, if you haven't traveled anywhere, when you stand on the beach, you look out, you see the waters, you don't see anything else. The only reason you know that there's something else over there is because somebody told you. So now put yourself back in their time when nobody told them that something else was out there. Okay, so in their minds, this water piece was seen as like, like evil and like crazy and like, oh my goodness, chaos. That's the, so all water and chaos was kind of synonymous. So his point here is the reason why he talks about, hey, I, I'm, I'm doing this with the water, I'm separating it, and I've decided to make it do this, and I'm having to do that, is to show that God has power over the very things that we think have power themselves. He said, no, that, that's just water. I created that, and I'm moving it, and now it's got clouds, and now I've got water, and I'm just, I just move it around. It's nothing to me. You see that? So he's again, he's again, part of what Genesis is about is him trying to debunk um, bad mythology and say, okay, I get what you think, but now I'm the living God. Let me tell you how things really are. Okay, family? Uh, Goes on in verse uh, 9 through 13 says, I'm just going to read through. It says, and God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let the the dry ground appear. So what happens there, family? Isn't that cool? Can you imagine that? So there's water everywhere, and then God is like, just gather all together. What is he, what is he doing here? He's separating. That's what people. He's separating again, and what is he doing? Is he's, making, he's, he's, he's making land, right? So he's, so he's saying, now we're going to have land, and, then what is he, and what else is he making? Seas. He's making, he's making these bodies of water now, right? So he's gathering it all up. I think this is awesome. And he says, um, and it says, and it was so. Okay, powerful. You know, it was so. Notice throughout when you're reading your scriptures, it was so. His point with it was so was that God says something and it happens. It's not like he said, hey, Mr. Water, why don't you become a lake now? And the water's like, nope. 
right? It's not, it's not that, so again, he's trying to, he's trying to get into the head of all, because all, you know, he have these, you have these little remote people of God, and you got all these other people watching, and they're going, that's your, that's your Israelite God, but I don't know if that's my God, and God said, no, I created all this stuff, and those things you're believing right now, where you're an afterthought, because they also thought they were an afterthought, that the gods created them out of an afterthought, it's like, no, 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 I created you on purpose, and all this stuff that I created, I did it, water's not running things, I am, when I tell something to do something, it does it, that means that nothing, Nothing that God wants to have happen does not release. It doesn't. Like, it's not that God's hand is too short. God doesn't tell anything to do anything, and it doesn't totally obey. What's beautiful about that is then you look at us as humans. We are the only creature by God by God's hand who He said, "I'm going to give you the opportunity to have intelligent volition." We're the only creature that can choose to disobey God. He's created like that because what he, because the way we truly worship the Lord as, as, as the beings that he's made us is when we choose, knowing that we can say no, knowing that God has allowed us to say, I, I won't obey you. I will worship my car. I will worship my girlfriend. I will worship my kids. We say, even though I have the tendency in a, uh, to want to worship my kids, I have the tendency to want to worship stuff. I have the tendency to want to worship my, my intellect. I'm going to choose, Lord, to relinquish those things, and I'm going to choose to worship you, even though I could worship those things because you're better. And so we get that opportunity to, to do something that he, I mean, think about it. The way, how does the son worship God? We'll see in a moment. It'll show us in a moment. So I want, you, I want you to really get there that when he says it was so, don't just read past that. That's showing his sovereignty. God says something, it happens. Is that just theology or should we see that practically lived in our lives? If God wants anything to happen in your life, it'll happen. So let's put all that together. If God wants something to happen in your life, he's all powerful so he can do anything. You're the apple of his eye in creation, and he's good. How should we live our lives? Sadly, just as with the intelligent volition, a lot of the drama, you know, we go, man, look at all this drama. I got, you know, strongholds and, and spiritual warfare. And when I really parse my life out, a lot of my drama is because of me and my sin. Maybe that's my journey, but don't, don't fly by those uh, words, family. God called, look at that, God called the dry ground land and... Um, the gathered, wa- gathered waters he called seas, and God saw it was good. Okay, family? It says, Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it. Right? So he creates. So Now, isn't this cool? So you have God at this point. I love this. God's been creating. But look what he does. What does he do different here? Notice. He doesn't just create these plants. He has the land bring it. It, it brings. It comes forth out of the land. So it's almost he. It's almost he's saying, "Hey, now do what you're supposed to do, right?" So these these plants grow up. He didn't. He didn't just invent them there. They grow up out of the land. That's, you see the text there. Let the land produce vegetation. You see that? Just which, which is what happens, right? I mean, I don't farm, but I've been. I've eaten some of your guys' stuff. It's great. Um, Seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. Various kinds again. What do we see that? When you see various kinds, what what are you thinking? Okay, yeah. yeah. It's like Jesus now, right? 
Jesus. Separation. <laughs> but, but also various kinds. We talked about last week. We talked about micro versus macro evolution. That distinction. That God has created all of us and he's created, he's created his creation with distinction. Right. So, again, he's 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 making it clear here Like I've done this with various kinds. He's saying, again, you, like we said, we're not going to see a butterfly be a linebacker. Right. We're going to I mean, that doesn't happen. So God, God has created us with different species and different kinds. And so what he's trying to say here is notice this. I've created them with distinct purposes and distinct um, reasons for creating them. Right. So uh, we have seated in it. And he says, again, according to various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning uh, the third day. So the first three days, what is he doing? He's creating. Right, guys? All right. Uh, Joe, buddy. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna go into that in a moment. Um, I was gonna get all the goods together and then and then talk about that. So give me a moment. All right. So the question the question was so and why does God say that it was good? So all right, I'll tell you now. No, I'm um, two uh, two reasons uh, I would say, and we're gonna see it culminate um, in the seventh day. But uh, one of the main reasons that God, it seems, and you think of Scripture, that God says and it was good is because what God does, and this is something I have to learn, and he wants to teach us even through how he shaped the days, is God wants to model that he enjoys what he creates. That he stands back and he doesn't go, oh, not the next thing, but he stands back and go, wow, that's cool. Look at that. And there's a model for you and me to make sure I propose that even the way he's created creation, the way he's done the days, how he's given us food, all this stuff is to model. He's saying, I want to teach you how I want you to live. And one of the main teachings I propose, even as he talks about things being good, is he wants us to learn just as he is our creator, as we, he's even allowed us to create like him in, in certain ways, and we can go get in that in the next couple of weeks, is he doesn't want us to be so fast about just doing, doing it, but he wants us to pause and enjoy uh, what the Lord has done through us just as he enjoyed what he did through himself. Hope that was helpful a little bit. And then we'll, go, we'll, we'll see more of that when we get to the seventh day, when he says, on the sixth day, when he says it was, it was very good. So, um, oh, by the way, if you're new here, yeah, we ask questions and stuff, so that's totally cool. Um, we ask questions except for Lori. And then uh, we, I'm just kidding. Love you, Lori. Hey, what's up, sis? Right, guys like no, be nice ways, and they're like, no. <laughs> All right, no, it's really good. So what what uh, Lori is asking is, which is a really good question. So she's saying, you know, you're talking about like, so we're the only um, creatures made by the Lord uh, that can that have intelligent volition that can choose to disobey. What about natural disasters? Um, she's heard some different thoughts. Are they choosing to disobey? Basically, is the question, right? Is it? 
Definitely part of the fall. Romans 8 talks about it. Creation groans because of the fall. Creation's excited and can't wait for Jesus to fully redeem itself. Uh, which, by the way, again, speaks to what is God doing with everything? Is he just going to just plop out creation and just, and just work with us? Or is he going to restore all of creation? I propose he's going to restore all of creation. And creation is like, come on, Lord, hook it up. Work it, work it out. You know, I'm tired of being a hurricane. So, um, so yeah, so creation in itself um, is groaning, Romans 8, and waiting for the sons of God to be revealed uh, so that it can be um, recreated just like we'll be recreated. Great question, sis. So I agree with your people who are saying it's on the fall. I'm going to keep rolling. Uh, go ahead, Gary. Well, yeah, I, I, I propose that uh, that this is a huge. Uh, what I learned when I was in school was that it's a, it's a fabric of theology. It's a, it's a big quilt that the Lord has made, and it just uh, it's just so clear. Um, now you're gonna make sure you don't dig for gold that's dirt. Uh, so so you, we don't want to be digging and always trying to find things that aren't there. But some of the things that you'll see super themes all throughout, you just got to begin to say, well, is this typological? Is God trying to say a, a certain theme throughout Scripture? And I would say a, big, a lot of the big picture um, infrastructural theologies are thinking about God comes from themes that God is trying to get in us from day one all the way to uh, recreation and revelation. Um, and very seldom, if any, I'm, I'm proposing just, you know, in John 2, is there like this new theology that he didn't talk about ever in Scripture and it just popped out of nowhere. That's, I'll be very weary, which is what happens with um, the rapture and those kind of things. I'll be very weary of, those, of that stuff. But to understand like, hey, well, God has a theme of what he's doing in, 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 in creation. So, so just be, again, the heart, if, if we leave here and, we, and we, we're passionate about realizing that there's a meta-narrative, there's a huge story within that story, which is what narrative is. And within that story, there is like these, uh, there's all these little enclaves, all these other stories that fit into it. And you begin to read the scriptures not as like a vacuum manual, right, but you read it as a story. Um, then we've done a great service to our king. He will, he will then be, he will continue to bless us. It will be, it will continue to come alive. We will learn more and more about his, about this epic narrative and what, and our place in it. Uh, but I, we need to be convinced of that reality, fam. Um, let me continue to go on. So order in that chaos is huge. Order in that chaos. Just say, in this time, for these people, they need to understand that God isn't just running around here trying to, you know, chasing creation and chasing things like, like we would chase a, a mouse in our house, but that everything is operating according to what he desired, when he desired. It's huge. And it's huge for us. When we, if we really believe, again, you know, we leave here and you guys are like, oh, you know, nice talk and, oh, man, I hope the Lord... But we need to sit down and think about this stuff. Think about it. How does that affect your life when you sit and you, you start to believe? Lord, everything you do has a purpose. You are good. You have a purpose for me. Nothing is outside your will. So I'm telling you, when now, see, it's, everything's cool when things are cool in your life. But your theology starts to go crazy when there's drama in your life. And I'm telling you, the Lord wants to solidify us now. So when there's stuff, when there's a, when there's a fall, there's an evidence of the fall, which there will be because we're in the fall, that we can still hold on to God's character. Genesis is about, is about establishing in our hearts the character of God. 
So that as we read the story of God, we understand his character, and then that will dictate how I live my life because he's my daddy. You see? If my kids understand who I am, I mean, I tell the kids, you know, like they want to jump somewhere. They want to jump off a chair. And Connor will be a little scared. I'll say, Connor, hey, buddy, you trust daddy? See, ain't even about the chair. Do you trust me? Do you understand that I'm not going to let anything happen to you? Now you can jump off that chair. Do you trust daddy? And he'll go, trust you, daddy. And he'll, he'll jump off. We're sitting on chairs acting like we trust the Lord. He's saying, do you really trust me? Jump off the chair, man. Do you believe I created the chair and everything? That if I tell you, if you jump off the chair and I, ask, and I say, suspend in the air, that you will stop in midair right then? Do you believe that? That I can do that? So God wants to deal with, he wants us to, just to have a wide view of him. That's what this is about. And so we do a great disservice. If you're like, when this is get to the good stuff, E, you're missing it. Right now, God is saying, I want you to believe about who I am. This is who I am. What he does is not really in his mind about what he does. What he does reflects who he is. That's what he wants us to get in our heads. That's what he wants us to rejoice in, family. So it's really important that we don't, that we don't blow through this, guys. Um, 14 through 20, guys. You guys with me? All right. Uh, we have, and God said, let there be lights. Now notice, in the beginning, he says, let there be light. Now he's talking about the lights. I propose again, he's saying, hey, now let's, let's make sure that the light I created, there's lights. That we have all these different luminaries that I'm going to illumine through my light that I created. Um, an expanse of the sky uh, to separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs uh, to mark seasons and days and years. Um, and let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give them light on the earth. So we have three reasons why he gives lights. You guys see them? First one? Separate. Okay. Separate day from night. Uh, mark the seasons too. Right? Service signs. And then three. To actually do like the whole lighting so people can see kind of deal, right? See that? Just and I, I, the attempt there was just as we read the scriptures, just to be able to just to check, just to see uh, different um, when you have, you know, um, list. You see a list there. Okay, there's three reasons. One, two, three. You know, writing those down in your, in your notebook, writing them on the side, writing your Bible, uh, just to see those things. Get used to that as you're reading your story, reading the story of God, uh, reading the scriptures and, and being able to, to pick out uh, different lists that you see. It says, and it was so. God made two great lights. What's the great light? The great light uh, to govern the day, which is the, there we go, and lesser light to govern the night, which is the, sweet. He also made the stars. Uh, God set them in the expanse of the sky to give a light on the earth, right? I love that. Set them, man. Uh, to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. Now, um, <clears throat> notice something. He talks very in-depth. This is probably the biggest discussion that he's talked about is creation, a different, something that he's created. He gives a lot of space to this. And I, and I want to tell you why. It's because, think about it, uh, in the Pantheon, and during this time, I mean, uh, you, you, have you guys ever seen Prince of Egypt? Yeah. Uh, remember that? You remember how they do the little song, like, uh, you're playing with the big boys now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he's in raw, he's like, raw, and he's like the little, did a little shadow. I like it. So, um, I think it's a great movie. So, um, 
So, but okay, now remember they're 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 worshiping the god of sun, uh, this raw god, and uh, like like a celestial worship was is huge. Uh, was huge in that day and age, right? Worshiping the stars and astrology, uh, necromancy was what they called it throughout the Old Testament, witchcraft, okay? And we do it now today, right? You got Sylvia Brown and all those people. Um, don't act like you ain't seen Montel, it's all Sylvia. It's all right. You can still be, all right, yeah. Uh, honey, like, mm-hmm. So um, just, just don't be calling her, you know what I'm saying? So, um, but all those people... That, let me just be really clear. That's nothing more than witchcraft. Okay? When you, whenever you say, whenever you look to someone else uh, to discuss things that God does, that's called witchcraft, necromancy. And so people go, but then we look at the pragmatic, we go, but it works. Or, or but I am in touch with the spirit. Because here's the thing. See, there's a demonic realm. There's a spiritual demonic realm here. So just as we are here and we're fellowshipping and loving the Lord uh, and, and connecting with the Lord, the Lord is gracious to protect us. You know, Satan and all his lies and, and his, and his this, uh, evilness, if he, if he could, we would all drop dead here. It's God's sovereign hand that we can stand firm right now, right? So my point here, my point in that is don't let pragmatism dictate your truth. Okay, and so I don't care if Sylvia got the right answer when she said she saw somebody dead in your closet. Okay, that's witchcraft and it's demonic and you should be praying for her and you should be getting away from anyone who's talking like that because it's not from Jesus. Okay, so so that's why even in the New Testament, when he when they trip off the thing that blows the Jews away is that there was three necromancy cats who understood that Jesus was king. Three demonic, you know, you know, into astrology worshipers. That, that's that's a, one of the big points even in uh, the, the incarnation narrative. Now, now, my point here is this. So I go through our community, and one of the big things is this is totally advocated in our community. Witchcraft worship, right? And that's why you can be walking down our street and talking about, I'm a Sagittarius. No, you're not. You're a Christian, Okay, we had that. We had that. We had that once. We, you know, we had a pastor in the community hanging out with me. Uh, we were walking, and, and me and my wife and our kids. And he walks up to us, and he sees our boys, and he says, "Oh, what's the name of the boys?" We give him the boys' names, and, and he's like, "Oh, is he a? I forget which sign he brought up. Is he a Taurus?" We're like, "No, dude, he's Joel." You know what I'm saying? Like, what Taurus? Because that stuff is not, not, I'm making it clear right now. So if you if you've been diving in that and that was cool with you for a while. Understand, just repent and understand God does not desire that for you because that's witchcraft. Okay? All, anything that you're putting focus on to get answers that only supposed to come from God is witchcraft. You understand the definition? Okay? Yes, ma'am. But prophets were not using stars to get their answers. They were using the king. Real prophets were discussing things and prophets were truth tellers. So they, were, they, weren't, they weren't ever saying, hey, so your size Libra, well, you're going to be mean when you're 13. You never see that in scriptures. What you see in scriptures is you see a prophet saying, Yahweh, what do you want me to tell your people? 
And then they talk about what Yahweh wants them to say. And a couple of things, they make sure it's not, it's not bad indigestion or anything, but Yahweh actually speaks to a prophet who is saying they're telling foretelling, meaning they're telling information that they didn't have before, and they're getting it from Yahweh. That's one prophecy. And then there's another prophecy of truth-telling. That's what, kinda, that's what I do. I have to give a prophecy in the sense of truth-telling. I, I can, God tells me his truth from the scriptures, and then I just tell people what God has said. So there's two kind of prophets. The people of God are called to be truth-telling prophets. Okay? But then there's some people that God has supernaturally gifted and said, I'm going to use you to speak to my people, and you might have insight that other people don't have because I have supernaturally displaced it in you through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, so those are very, that's a good question, sis, but those are very different than what we do in our community where we're like, you know, again, astrology, you know, to doing the, uh, I mean, man, the horoscope, that's the biggie. All that stuff is, is, is dabbling into a realm that's unlike natural man and is not from Jesus. So, yeah. Oh, my goodness, so much. Um, yeah, yeah, and so that's, again, um, so what, what Chris did is just talking about how we see themes in Scripture. When you imagine, what, the way we, imagine how you view TV, right, family? Like, TV is just, it's like having bread in your, in your kitchen. You have TV, TV is part of our culture. Imagine that from the perspective of, like, that's how they view their history. Like, the way we look at TV, we can't even imagine knowing our history that well. It's hard to even help people understand the mindset of a first century Jew because we can't get like they were really smart. And it wasn't like just they just I mean, they they understood their culture. They understood their story. Now, I, wanna, I don't want to be monolithic. Again, there were some Jews who totally didn't worship Yahweh and they were doing their own thing. Totally good. I'm talking about the, the Jew, the Jews who were like saying we're going to be about Yahweh's business. These guys, I mean, the Pharisees, under, they memorized the Pentateuch. These guys were serious. So when they heard light and darkness, when they looked at Matthew and saw in the beginning, I guarantee you they went, whoa. And, it, 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 and whether they know what they did with it or not is another discussion. But, yeah, they definitely knew those themes. So that's a really good question. So we need to have those same themes when we are um, reading the Bible ourselves. Let me just keep going for the sake of time. Um, and I'll try and get a few more questions. So we already talked about this. Um, I just was talking about the celestial gods. Um, this is make sure we, we're, we're putting our worship in the right place, guys. Refocus your worship making sure you're not worshiping things that God has created. And that's his whole point here. The reason why he talks about all these things and he just says, I created them, is because he's saying, you are not to worship things that I created. You're supposed to worship me, right? So when we go, oh, look at the star, he's like, hello, I made them. See what I'm saying? And we should go, oh, sorry, Jesus, you know, and that's what God wants us to be about. I think we're on the same page, fam. Uh, I would love for you to have some homework, but I, don't, I, I haven't had time to really explain, explain it. I wanted you guys to do a... Um, Chiastic structure of verses 14 through 18. We talked about it briefly next week. I think next week I'll explain it, and then maybe I'll give it to you guys, so don't get all nervous. All right, we're going to end in um, verse 23. It says, and God said, let the water team with living creatures. Hey, great questions, by the way, fam. I hope that's encouraging. I hope you learn a little more about Jesus. Um, And let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So what do we have there? Um, let them team. I love this. I didn't spell that wrong. That's how they spell it in the scripture. Um, let them team with the living creatures. So you got what? You got God now doing what? He's filling the things in which he's created. Okay? Uh, so now he said, I made water. Now let's put stuff in the water. Let's put the living creatures. 
Um, I made the sky. Let's put stuff in the cloud. Let's, sky. Let's put the birds um, in the sky. This is why I disagree with cats who I deeply respect, like Mark Driscoll. He would say that he created a little enclave, a little eat, a little garden for this. But it's talking about flying across the earth. It seems that the, the animals and things of that sort have way more freedom. So I don't, I don't know if I'm into that. Uh, verse 21. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing uh, with which the water teems and, and that have that moves about in it, according to their kinds. Again, in their their kinds, very important. And every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. Um, love that. Again, all of this is saying this, but particularly here, notice this. I love the point. You say, what is the point here? Okay, I think we understand interpretation. So we've interpreted the scriptures accurately there. We see what he's doing. But the point is, look how thoughtful and orderly and kind he is. Um, Why does he do all this? Well, we understand that when he creates man, we're going to see this in a couple, we're going to see this next week, because we're going to focus on on man. It's a big picture, big issue. He creates man, and he says, I created all this for you. Right? And now I want you to be stewards over it. And so think about that. So he does all of this to inhabit the earth uh, for man. Like he, he, he prepares this place for us. He gives us water and he gives us creatures uh, for his fame and our delight. Shouldn't it, doesn't it just blow you away that he does this? He says, I want to make sure that you have water and that you, you know you have animals and, and you know and there's some nice crawling animals and some little bugs to make sure. You know, it's crazy how he does all this. For, uh, for our delight. Yes, yes, yeah. Seven day Adventist. Yeah. Um, yep. Can you can you be really gracious to me and be confused one more week? Because we're going to talk about it next week. Um, <laughs> no, because uh, I want to I want to talk about Sabbath and rest, and we can talk about the days because that that is an issue. So we'll talk about that. And we'll hopefully clear some things up uh, about Sabbath rest just for the sake of time. But that's a really good question, sis. So I'm gonna make sure I hit that um, next week. So um, thanks for asking that question. Um, let me continue on. Um, it says, And God said, uh, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. How many times do you think you've heard according to their kinds? Um, and God saw that it was good. What's the point? God made this place and the things in it for his creation. You read Genesis, it's a good God loves you and is all-powerful. And he did this because he's famous and he's awesome and he just loves us and it's all about the Lord. Look what the Lord has done. Let me leave you with this, family. What have we learned about God? That God is the creator. That God is the only creator. We, you know, remember when Carrie got on me last week, what do you mean only creator? Uh, only Right, that that know that he has created all things, uh, ex nihilo, out of nothing, 
and he's made all of us, that there is no one more powerful. He is the creator and everything else is created. He is other. Um, everything is dependent upon God. If he's created everything, then everything is dependent upon our king. And that's, and that's where, again, in our day and age, because, you know, well, we're doing our thing and we, we almost think that that's not the case. We, God is a deistic God. But we are not deists, okay? We do not believe that God started things, created things, and then he's now right now taking a nap somewhere, and we're just running around and doing our thing. See, the difference between deists and us as Christians is we're saying God is not only deistic, he's not only God, but he's personal. And that right now what he's done is he's created, but he didn't go anywhere. He's right now making sure everything is working according to his plan. And he's moving, and he's allowing us to have our being, and he's guiding you in your processes. And what's so crazy about that is we all have journeys and lives, and that God is not only this awesome creator, but he's intimately involved in your life at the same time. That's the beauty of our king. In each one of our lives, he cares about your relationships and your job and your ailments and your future and your kids. He cares about all of that while at the same time running all of creation. He's awesome. Life comes from him. Life comes from God. The, the beauty of Genesis 1 is he's trying to make it really clear to you and me is that everything that has life has come because he's created it to have life. And so the beauty of that is that when we have a baby or something, and I always tell people, God works in tandem with creation to bring about his glory. I mean, think about it. The psalmist tells us, we, we understand how a baby forms, but the psalmist says that God is forming a baby in our wombs. But at the very same time, we understand that you, you have sex and you have a sperm and it fertilizes the egg and then you have an embryonic little baby and then it grows and all this stuff. We understand all that. But God is saying that's the beauty of creation, is that God is saying while that's happening, at the very same time, God is saying, I'm knitting that baby in your womb. He's working in, in tandem with his creation to bring about his glory. Nothing happens outside of the hand of your king, even your light bill, everything. That's a beautiful thing. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. His hand isn't short. It's not there's something that's happening. Now, you don't really understand this one, God. It's not nothing. There's nothing that is more powerful than our creator, that he's done all these things. Creation is in his hand. It's, I love the way that he creates, family. Think about it. He doesn't move and have to do all this stuff. He doesn't have a big old nasty fat screwdriver and trying to... He just says something and it's done. Imagine that. He speaks and it happens. How simple. How powerful. So other. Separate from creation. We have to remember this. God has created all things and then he's here. He's here. We can talk about eternity. It's very interesting. We talk about eternity as if we're going to be like God, like we're going to be little gods. I don't see that in the Bible. I don't think this thing where we're going to just, you know, even I think we're going to, I think even when people are tortured, those of you who would not know Jesus, who would not be in love with Jesus, when you be tortured, we say eternity, but not in the sense that there will be no more time, but it's going to hurt forever. And, and I think we've got to make sure we don't, miss, we don't mix that message as if, just like as God is in eternity now, as he's outside of time and there's time here, we're going to be out there with him. I don't think that's the case. He's not going to ever make us gods. He's going to allow us to be with him while we're in his creation. He's the only other, not us. He's never going to put us on that level. He allows us to reign with him, but let's be clear, he's the king. He's glorious. I just want us to keep in mind as you're reading the scriptures, 
Think about everything he's created. Think about the leaves and the, and the water and, the, and the, the animals you love and the thing that you just think is so beautiful. Think if you love music. He's created all that stuff. All the things we see in culture. We have awesome ladies of God here who love kids and you're in there caring for the kids. And I mean, just think about all the beautiful things we see in culture. God has created those things. He's created people who created culture. That's how beautiful our Lord is. That he, would, that he would give us all these beautiful things to enjoy. Think about the things you enjoy. We're so hilarious. We like cheesecake. You know what I'm saying? I love that. I love that God is so loving that he would even allow us to like cheesecake. Yeah. Hallelujah. Chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> Jimmy John. I mean, let me get out of here. <laughs> Are you hearing me, family? That God wants us to see. He doesn't want you and me walking around, moping, just trying to get through the by and by until Jesus flips us, sweeps us away. He said, I've created this place for you to enjoy. To enjoy. He is sovereign. Does not answer to anyone. This is the biggie for, for all people I meet, I meet all the time. You want to presume upon God as if God owes you something. God says, are you kidding? I am God whether you believe in me or not. I'm the king. One day you're going to have the answer to me. See, see, we do, oh, I'm mad at God. What, really? <laughs> He's the king. God is sovereign. He does not answer to you or anybody what he does because he's a powerful one. And we got to get that, guys. We have to understand that we submit to a sovereign, good king. He's our king. What's the next step for us, family? Oh, he's good. I talk about that all the time. I just, when you think of all of our sin in our lives, the biggest thing for me is that I, I, I'm questioning at the end of the day, is God good? When you look at your life, the main question you're really asking a lot of times when we fall and, we, and, we, and we're into sin and we choose evil and we, we don't choose Jesus is because we don't believe he's good. And what God is trying to show us as he begins the journey with us in Genesis, he's saying, guys, I'm all those things and all those things are wrapped in this reality that I'm good. My character is good. I'm good. You can trust me. You can rely upon me. I really want to guide you to where you need to be. I'm good. If we would just, just take that for the next year and commit ourselves to believing that God is good, our lives will radically change. If you learn nothing else this year, and we just said, hey, next year, I believe God is good, guarantee you would radically change how you do life, how you do relationships, radically change what we do in our journey. Next steps for all of us, raise our view of God and provide zeal uh, and passion to live. That's what the Lord wants. He wants, during this time, as we're studying the scriptures, just raise our view of God. Like, how big is your God? Like, do you see, you understand that he's so, he's so big. I mean, who he is. I, I just, again, I, it's not about emotion. I want us to be singing out and caring because of who God is, family. To be thinking about what he's done in your life. If you are not a believer here, man, you're missing out. He's grabbed you here for a reason, because he wants you to experience the reality of this good, personal creator. Of who he is. And if you love Jesus, man, just remember he's good. Let's make sure that we're living a life of zeal and passion as if we've really been inherited with an earth that he's given us for his enjoyment and for our enjoyment. 
hey, let's tithe. Um, guys, thanks for letting me go a little long. I really apologize. Um, 